Hey, welcome to another Coaching You podcast with the coach, Brendan Sir. Today uh, is a very, very important podcast for us. We've done almost 200 podcasts over the years, always with great personalities, always learning more about the game and about people. But this, in the time that we're in right now, is something that is uh, very, very important and frankly more important than what offense, defense, or out-of-bounds plays you're running. Uh, on, on our podcast today are two people on our Coaching You Medical Advisory Board who are absolutely two of my closest people in my life, uh, my son BK, sir, and Anu Patel, who's like my other son, who's since high school has been around our whole family. Anoop is one of the premier surgeons in the world and based in Orlando, Florida. And if I, I would probably do tw- 10 or 15 minutes of his background, but trust me on this, he is one of the best doctors that you could ever come and a real specialist in surgery. And he'll talk about that. My son BK uh, is also in the medical field. And right now he is on the front line in the intensive care units at one of the premier hospitals in Orlando, taking care of coronavirus patients as they come in. So one of the reasons that we're doing this is that all coaches are leaders Uh, And it's really important as leaders, you're people of incredible influence. And the influence is over the players that you're with, the staff that you work with. And so it's really important that you understand the seriousness of this situation that we're in. Uh, Living right now in Louisiana, uh, in Baton Rouge, uh, we've become really in the United States, along with New York and California, uh, two of the biggest hotspots, you know, in the country. Uh, so I am very strong on our attention to detail on this, and we feel so strongly coaching you. To We want to really educate coaches. Again, we know a lot about ball. We know a lot about things, but, boy, this thing, it's happening so fast. I think it's important. So, Anoop, uh, talk to me now about, you know, you're, you're one of the premier surgeons in Orlando, you and your group. Uh, What's happening right now to the people that you, you know, usually work with on a daily basis? Well, uh, first of all, Coach, thanks for uh, allowing me to join uh, the podcast. I'm going to make sure my mother hears your introduction. (laughs) That was really flattering. Um, But, yeah, as you have pointed out, we are in a serious time. It's not hysteria. Things are bad, and I'm sure BK will touch on that being a member of the front line. Uh, in terms of surgery, we've seen our patient volume go down tremendously. Um, as you know, I am both a plastic surgeon and a hand surgeon. I follow the guidelines of um, what the Aesthetic Surgery Society and the American Society of Plastic Surgery put out regarding aesthetic surgery. You should not be doing aesthetic surgery when we're in a pandemic. And there's a few reasons for that. Uh, one is that you are putting people who are needing elective, not even needing, going for elective surgery. And that doesn't just have to be plastic surgery. That can be some of the hand surgeries that I also do with our group, Orlando Hand Surgery Associates. When you have a mass or carpal tunnel, those are surgeries that are truly elective. And fine, if you do the surgery, you should take full responsibility that you are consuming resources that right now are pretty strapped in America. The United States is in a shortage of masks, particularly the N95 masks, gowns, gloves. And, you know, you are not only putting your patients at risk of possibly doing getting an infection, then being admitted to the hospital, you're consuming the resources unnecessarily. 
To be fair, there are some surgeries that I believe strongly have to be done, and those are the emergent ones, life or death, losing your limb. Urgent surgeries would fall under the category of having a fracture, whether for me it would be a wrist fracture or a hand fracture. And the reason to justify that is that those fractures are much easier to deal with within a one or two week period window before the bone heals. Or if you have a tendon laceration that can compromise your hand function, you want to get to those injuries relatively quickly. But to be sure, they are not emergent, but they are certainly not elective. And uh, I think regarding the shortage, that that is what a surgeon should take into account when they go into the operating room. Does this patient truly need this surgery right now, this week, or can it wait till our supplies, medical supplies that are necessary for BK to have be stocked back up before we proceed with this surgery? And uh, I, I think it'd be great to hear BK's insight on what how dire the need is of these supplies. Yeah, BK, you know, one of the things uh, as a total disclaimer to our audience, uh, you know, with myself working at Stetson University with Coach Donnie Jones and stuff, uh, had one of the neat years of my life, not from a coaching perspective, but from a personal perspective in that I got to live with you, your wife, and our three-year-old grandson this year. So, but now why it was so important to send me home back to Baton Rouge where mom and I are getting ready to move to Florida because of why. Talk about what you're going to work every night in the ICU uh, format. Right. So, uh, yeah, thank you very much for having me. Um, so yeah, I'm a, an RN in uh, one of the ICUs here in Orlando and, um, yeah, it's a very, um, sort of this whole thing, right. It's, it's, it's changed sort of everything. Um, uh, first of all, yeah, I guess to touch on what Anup was talking about, about, um, the supply issue. So like you said, this is not hysteria. This is real. Um, you know, I, even myself, when I was first hearing reports about this coming out of China, um, sort of, uh, not knowing that much about it yet. Um, you know, just didn't think much of it kind of blew it off. And, while I, you know, fully expected it to get here because it's such an interconnected world, um, didn't kind of understand the gravity of it. Now, as time has gone on, I think that most people um, uh, in the general public are realizing, but all of us in uh, the medical profession um, are learning firsthand just how dire the situation um, already is in a lot of areas. Um, and it's only going to get worse. Um, I think I can't stress that enough. You'll hear some people and read some people, whether it be on your social media or wherever, talking about, oh, there's not that many cases relative to how many people there are in the country and things like that or in the world. Um, and I think they fail to realize that this is only beginning. Um, so you're seeing cases uh, pretty much double um, every three days in places like New York. And I think that, that rate will continue um, you know, for some time, and we will start to see that everywhere else. Now, in the ICU, um, yeah, we've had uh, uh, already um, many patients uh, tested, some positive, some uh, have passed. Um, and when I say passed, I mean have died from it. Um, so uh, to touch on the supplies, yeah, the issue is very real. Uh, you know, for the first time in my life, I've gone into work and literally uh, for the first two hours of my shift, not had the N95 masks that I needed to go into both of my patients' rooms. 
Um, fortunately, uh, I was able to wait um, for them to be delivered up from our dwindling uh, stockpile that we've had to keep locked uh, in the administration, the hospital administration, down um, sort of on the, the bottom floors of the hospital, away from all the units, because um, you know they were being you know, taken by both people. Uh, unfortunately, the work in the hospital and from uh, the public when they were coming in to visit uh, family members before they um, implemented the new visitation policy. So um, it's hard to believe that in the richest country in the world, we're having these problems right now. But, um, you know, it doesn't do us any good now to blame uh, anyone. Uh, we just need to figure out ways to move forward um, and and figure out a way to uh you know, to get through this as best we can. BK, what, uh, explain to the public, what is a PPE? Am, am I right on that, PPE? Right. Uh, so uh, as Anub knows, yeah, I mean, PPE is, stands for personal protective equipment. So there's a whole range of that from, that goes from everything from the, you know, the sterile uh, surgical gowns that uh, the doctor Patel wears when he's in the OR to basic gloves, uh, surgical masks. Uh, there's a whole range of different things, right? So depending on the patient's, uh, you need different types of PPE. Uh, he's going to wear a different PPE when he's doing a surgery than I'm going to wear when I'm just doing a, you know, a basic assessment on a patient or checking somebody's blood sugar, right? So there's different levels of PPE that you need uh, for certain types of patients. Um, you know, for these patients, uh, the number one things are face shields, gloves, uh, gowns that are uh, resistant to fluid. Uh, so not just, there's different types of gowns. So you need the ones that are fluid resistant, uh, and then the N95 masks are probably, uh, going to be the most important for the frontline, uh, you know, the frontline workers. Talk about the ventilators. I keep hearing about ventilators. I didn't know what the hell a ventilator was until like a, sure. two weeks ago. And all of a sudden now sure. we have this incredible shortage of them. Why is sure. a ventilator important with this, uh, virus? Uh, well, uh, so ventilators are important, uh, you know, for any time, anybody, um, is either, um, you know, has a respiratory distress to the point that they can no longer, uh, you know, ventilate. Uh, and by that, I mean, you know, breathe, pro breathe well enough on their own due to, you know, whether it be, uh, you know, they're used in surgery because somebody's under anesthesia or because they've, you know, illness has reached a point where they, you know, can no longer, uh, breathe properly on their own and they will die if they, you know, uh, aren't, uh, you know, put on a machine that's basically consists of, uh, you know, small pumps and circuits and computer chips that, um, you know, pushes air into the lungs, uh, to breathe for a person that can't you know, breathe properly on their own. So, um, why are they so important? Because without them, the people that are on them would have died. Uh, and the problem is, uh, you know, typically, um, they well, one, they're very expensive. Two, uh, you know, healthcare systems, generally speaking, don't have a lot of them. Now, you know, we have a lot of them relative to the amount that we usually need. However, when you start looking at the amount of people that could get this um, and the amount of people that end up in the ICU with this, so I mean, this is a respiratory, you know, infection, right? That's right. going to be, you know, this is going to be people end up in the ICU all the time that don't necessarily need a ventilator. Now, a lot of them do. All of these patients that come in are probably going to need a ventilator. Um, um, it's, uh, you know, I would say most likely. So um, it's not something that can be made, uh, you know, overnight. I mean, they're complex machines. Um, and when you start hearing the numbers, I was hearing the governor of New York talking this morning, you know, about the numbers that they need. Um, <laughs> 
it's going to take uh, quite an effort um, on you know some of the best companies that we have to figure out a way to meet this demand because the numbers are, are staggering when you hear you know they need thirty thousand alone. Um, so yeah, Anoop, but let's talk about they're talking about possibly reconfiguring hospitals to separate obviously the patients that have the coronavirus from a normal patient that's maybe possibly had a, unfortunately had a heart attack or is in there with an illness pre-existing to uh, this virus coming in such a wave. Uh, the governor of New York literally ordered that he wants the hospitals there to increase their room capacity by 100%. I, I, you worked in New York City. You worked yeah, in I, some of the real incredible hospitals <laughs> in New York from Bellevue on. Can you even foresee that happening? How that would it's going to be very happen? difficult because yeah. um, they have to get the vent. So it all stems back to this: the shortage, and why is it such such a shortage of ventilators? Right? Even if all the old people or elderly people needed a ventilator, you'd still have some capacity. But what they're not talking about or highlighting enough is that young people may not die from COVID nineteen, but they often need these ventilators to get them through this acute respiratory distress phase. The coronavirus has, we've seen it in different pandemics. It came out with SARS. It came out with uh, the MERS virus in Saudi Arabia in the Middle East. And now we're seeing it um, in this COVID-19 population. And the ventilator is, is basically the tool that keeps these people alive. But you need people um, like acute trauma surgeons, people like BK on the front line, being able to staff these machines and provide the drugs to keep them on the vent. So it's not that you just have these ventilators. You also have to think about now the drug supply and then the personnel to staff them. And and the thing that's, that's uh, what we're doing is that the medical workers on the front line are not being protected. It's like sending them into war without any weapons. They're just sitting there on the front line, asked to treat for patients. And that's why there's a plea from the medical community to not only ramp up the production of uh, PPE, as you touched on, but also that people use discretion when using things in the hospital. And, and as a, from the surgeon's standpoint, that's why I'm harping on elective surgery coming to a halt for a while, because that will allow supplies to catch up for people when this thing is going to get worse before it gets better. Got a question for either one of you. Um, we have a lot of coaches that are listening and uh, what advice would you give them? Number one for themselves, you got to take care of yourself first. So it's like a parent has to uh, take care of themselves or else they're no good to their child. So what what tips can you give them as a coach? They're, frankly, none of them have contact with their players right now. They Players have been sent away. They're not allowed to be in gyms. They're not allowed to. So we can't work with our players. So thank God that's one thing. But what, what do you recommend for them so that they can stay safe, stay healthy during this time? BK, take a stab at that first. Sure. I mean, so, um, I mean, I think first thing first is, that, you know, to... Um, one, uh, we keep harboring, you know, this is a serious thing. There's been, um, I think there's been a very slow reluctance to realize just how serious it is. Um, and that this is the beginning of it. So one, take the recommendations of, uh, the medical, uh, experts, the epidemiologists, all the people that you're hearing, um, you know, the advice they're giving, uh, listen to it. Um, 
hand washing. It sounds silly. I tell people all the time, how do you prevent from getting sick? I mean, I'm, um, uh, I'm around as, as Anupas as well. We're around sick people all the time. I think both of us are pretty fortunate to be relatively healthy. I, I strongly believe in, you know, and I wash my hands religiously for years now. It really is effective. So be very cognizant of that. Um, and to, um, you know, just remember that, um, you know, that yes, you may feel fine and you may be around people that feel fine. Um, you know, it doesn't mean that a, you don't have it. Um, it's, it, it's possible, uh, that you may be asymptomatic or, um, the person that you're around could have it and you may not know. So, um, you know, when they, this, this all the, the social distancing and stuff, um, it, it will help, but only if, you know, if really taken seriously and done, you know, done properly, it doesn't mean that, you know, you can still, you know, stay home for, you know, five, six days, but Hey, after, you know, day eight or nine, oh, let's go get together, you know, and, and play a pickup game in the park, you know, or, or, or stuff like that. I'm, uh, I would say those would be my biggest recommendations. And two, um, you know, I don't know what the rules are as far as staying in touch with your players, but just, you know, talking to them, making sure that, um, you know, that there's lines of communication um, and just, you know, they're all right during this because, um, you know, this has upended a lot of people, um, you know, both financially, emotionally, um, all, you know, this is, this is uncharted territory, I think for, for all of us, uh, you know, as a society. So um, just keep those lines of communication as open as you can within, you know, whatever, I don't even know what regulations the NCAA has on, no, we, on no, you know, with yeah, we, we have players and stuff. But. Yeah, we have no limitation on that. And uh, we have a lot of coaches that are doing Zoom sessions, with, you know, video conferencing with their players and certainly, if nothing else, texting often and talking to them by phone. Unlimited amount of times they're your players, so you have no restrictions on that. There's no practices being conducted so there's no restrictions on that and and i and i think the loneliness aspect of a lot of people that just thrive on relationships and seeing people and like you mentioned is so so important during this time a uh, new talk about uh you know we we discussed earlier about telemedicine I, I read that the other day telemedicine and i really didn't know what it meant yeah so telemedicine is extremely important i think for uh the coaches that listen to this podcast. So a lot of your players may be working out by themselves. Mm -hmm. And if they sustain any type of sprain or injury, doesn't mean they necessarily have to go to the emergency room or to the hospital. I actually advise you guys to stay out of there. So what we've done is we've started telemedicine or telehealth. And all you need is basically your phone, either FaceTime or WhatsApp app, or as you've hinted at, Zoom. There's various features. At, of note, HIPAA compliance right now, the government has lifted. Your app does not have to be HIPAA compliant because what we're trying to do is just get people access to healthcare without having to go to the hospital. So an example would be if your player or athlete um, needed an opinion for a fall at the gym or while playing basketball, they hurt their wrist. They could certainly get in contact with our office. We could set up a a telemedicine conference. So essentially it's video conferencing. We could do uh, an exam and at least start the triage process to say, hey, I think you should come in, get some x-rays, schedule a time when the office is not uh, packed with patients. So you're, you're practicing somewhat of social distancing, but also getting medical help. 
And I think that that, that is going to be a, a leap in healthcare after this, that a lot of times we have even the highest professional athlete wants to get a second opinion. This is a way that I have always thought is a great way to get in contact with a specialist. And we could form a kind of a uh, collective group of surgeons that are board certified in various specialties that can work as an independent thinking group or source of, of uh, surgical knowledge for you, your family, or the athlete that you are coaching. And that is the power of telemedicine. So this week we have launched telemedicine to help a lot of our patients that needed follow-ups from surgery, from new office visits, whether they have a hand pain, shoulder pain, elbow pain, any of those types of things, it prevents them from going into the emergency room. If they're positive, God forbid, for COVID, they're not bringing that somewhere into the office or, or the uh, hospital. And it allows them at least to get somewhat of help, not feel abandoned and socially isolated during this uh, incredibly uncharted time. Uh, Noop, talk about if you would be kind enough to either leave your uh, your uh, email so that in case, because uh, you've worked, your office has worked on some of the best NBA players in the world over time. Uh, uh, you know, Dr. White, George White, you know, who's the founder of your practice, uh, you know, took care of both Shaquille and Isaiah Thomas when I had them. Uh, you know, just talk about uh, an email address so if they have a problem or question, they can get in touch with you. Sure. So uh, my personal email is anup, A-N-U-P, at, uh, actually, the better one to use is Dr. D-R-A-N-U-P-P-R-S at gmail.com. So again, that's Dr. D-R-A-N-U-P-P-R-S at gmail.com. And that, that also allows you, I, I chose to use that one because if we needed to do Google Hangouts, that's another option to uh, get in touch with me. And I, I certainly welcome anybody's phone call if you if you need any advice during this time or even in the future. I've uh, done multiple um, secondary consults. I haven't not been allowed to speak about the patients or the players that may be, but they have called me and I have pointed them either to our office if they need surgery or want to come to our office or if they're saying that, you know, I want to recover up where I am, I, I have a whole network um, from my training. I went to Yale uh, School of Medicine, and through that network, there is anybody you need. And these are some of the top uh, physicians, surgeons, uh, you name it. And I can certainly link you with, with that network. And always in medicine, and particularly surgery, it's a small network. Whether it's the NBA or NFL, it's just a group of people that's very small, close-knit. And you can certainly get your answers um, very quickly. And I welcome you to email me at any time. And uh, if you just send me a blurb, what's the best time to call you? What's the injury? I'm happy to guide you. Uh, Noop and BK, uh, thanks so much for doing this because I think uh, right now as coaches, we have too much damn time on our hands. And in this area, regarding our players and ourselves, we don't know what the hell we're doing. And so this brings great clarity to it from two experts. So uh, my sons, I thank you very much for doing this. You're special. And uh, I know all of our coaches really enjoyed this. Thank you. My pleasure. Yeah, I really appreciate it, Coach. I think uh, as you, you're like a father to us, but I think this is a great message to send to the community. And Coach and you should be commended for uh, bringing this uh, issue to the forefront. 
Nupin BK, thank you so much. Uh, I think it's one of the most important times in our careers and lives. And so I wanted to make sure that we got this out to you in a really timely fashion. And even though right now we're in the middle, you know, of our coaching you next gen uh, coaches forum, we felt it that important because things are changing rapidly. Uh, a week, a week and a half ago in uh, Louisiana, there was really nothing happening. Now all of a sudden we went from one case to a thousand, over a thousand, fourteen hundred in a week. So, and they're saying it's going to double every three days. So, uh, wherever you are, stay safe, practice all the right things that are. Uh, guys told you to do and again uh, your your greatest job uh, as a coach is to lead and influence and uh, and I really think that you know this is the most important thing that we're going to be doing for months on end so again till next week this is the coach Brendan Sir. Let's take a second to tell you about one of our partners, Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish basketball shooting machines are the most high-tech and durable basketball shooting machines on the market. Each shooting machine was designed specifically for high-repetition training to allow players to improve through technology. Dr. Dish offers game-like training to give hundreds of shooting reps in just minutes and provide powerful analytics to help players improve their game. Dr. Dish has also introduced Skill Builder, which is the first of its kind in the basketball shooting machine industry that enables players and coaches to stay connected, design and upload training exercises, and instantly receive feedback on their workout, allowing for real-time adjustments and improved performance. It is, without question, the most innovative basketball training machine on the market. To learn more about Dr. Dish, log on to drdishbasketball.com or follow them on Twitter at drdishbball. Don't forget to mention Coaching You and receive $300 off on your next Dr. Dish purchase. That's right. Mention Coaching You or the podcast and get $300 off your Dr. Dish. Fast Model Sports is the world's most comprehensive versatile basketball coaching software to help power your preparation. Fast Model has developed the industry's best coaching software, including the number one play diagramming and playbook software, FastDraw. FastDraw bridges the gap between whiteboarding and the digital world with an incredibly easy to use interface that can be used on both your computer and iPad to providing maximum portability for your own personal play and drill database. It doesn't stop there. Along with FastPro, they have other great programs such as Fast Scout, which helps coaches create clean, professional scouting reports customized for your team. Fast Model is trusted and used by all NBA and WNBA teams, 85% of Division I college teams, and over 8,000 high school and youth teams from over 75 countries around the world. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching resources through their blog and play bank, which features over 5,000 free plays and drills on their online coaching community. For access to these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel.